0: Good to see everybody, welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris, I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. We were just together Christmas Eve, but it seems like a long time. I've missed you guys. I like, was like 2,000 sausage balls ago. And so it, it, it seems like it's, it's been a while. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3. This will be the last Sunday sermon of 2019. Next time we're together, it'll be 2020. Isn't that crazy? Uh, uh, amazing. I want us to look at John chapter 3. This really is not in the Fire by Night uh, series, but it kind of is as well. This is a midnight conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. We're going to read right through verse 16. Um, It's it's a beautiful passage. Let's let's read it together. Uh, There are just some things in life that I don't get. And I know that others get them and enjoy them and understand them. I just don't. I can't explain why you like it and I don't like it, but but there's just things I don't get. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Again, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give you examples of things I don't, Necessarily like, and there are gonna be things you love, and you can't get mad at me. I am just telling you, I don't get them. I don't like Snapchat filters. I don't get them. I don't understand Snapchat filters. You know what I am talking about? That's like where where the girls go on like you know social media, and they have a picture of themselves with their head all bloated up, uh, with bug eyes and ears like a gerbil or a flower crown or something like that. And then all the other girls go, "Oh, girl, you are so pretty. You are so pretty." And I am thinking, she's not. I mean, you know, she looks like she's holding something in. It's just the strangest kind of bug eye thing. I don't get those, y'all. And please don't, like, do my face and then send it to me because, you know, I, I still won't get it. Snapchat filters up. That show the masked singer. That's terrifying. That's just weird. Now I, I do. I have that phobia. I'm I'm afraid of clowns and Santa Claus and Big Red and anybody in a suit. So that I'm you know that show's not going to be for me. But have y'all seen The mass Singer? That I just I've never seen it. I, I don't. I won't. I mean that's just that's nightmare kind of thing. Uh, sushi? I don't understand sushi. Uh, I know. Don't get me any. Don't bring. Don't put any on my desk, y'all. Uh, it's, sushi is really expensive. And just weird to eat. Uh, I've really not had it, but it doesn't, I just want, I don't, uh, cats, I, I know, I know, don't, don't give me one. I, I don't, I don't want your cat. I probably wouldn't like your cat either. Uh, I just don't like cats. Yo, there is a restaurant in Chattanooga called the Cat Cafe. Um, they have, it's like in the window, like 30 live cats in there. Like you can go in and, and eat. You know, with 30 live cats, like you can hear like a furball biscuit, I guess, and <laughs> wash that down with something. 30 live cats, like my, whole, my throat closes up just thinking about that. Like, who wants so cat? I don't get cats. I, I don't understand cats at all. I, I don't understand this. At some point, and I don't know when y'all all agreed, but at some point, everybody in the world started beginning their sentences with the word so now I've never done that people didn't used to do that but now all of a sudden you ask a question like hey where's the post office they'll say so go down the street you know they always say so like when did y'all start that did I miss did I fall asleep and wake up and y'all had a meeting because the whole world pay attention if you're not everybody starts sentences now with the word so that's a new thing and I'm, I'm kind of against it but I don't get to say so uh it, it'll, it'll probably happen without me um that song, Christmas Shoes, yeah, I don't get that at all. I know some of you love it. Just I, I mentioned it, and it brings tears to your eyes. It just makes me want to jump out a window. I don't understand, like the kid, a creepy kid, you know, his mama's dying, and, he, and his priority is footwear. I don't get that at all. You know, if you're dying tonight, you know, shoes should be like the last thing. So I don't I don't understand Christmas shoes. I'm I'm glad we're about done with it for this year anyway. Um, that scene in the Last Jedi where Princess Leia flies through space, I, I didn't get that at all. I, I, and and I don't know. Some of you can explain it to me later. I still won't get it. I, I mean, like y'all, Princess Leia flew through like outer space. That was. Just weird. I, I, they're just things like that that I don't get. They're just weird to me, and I don't understand why my brain just doesn't wrap around certain things. And, and other people seem to get them and enjoy them and understand them, and, and that's fantastic, but it's just my brain uh, isn't necessarily shaped to understand and receive certain messages. And, and uh, maybe, maybe you're the same way. Nicodemus was that way. Nicodemus is a very, very practical man. And he thinks in certain ways and reasons and understands in certain ways. And there were things that Jesus mentions to Nicodemus that absolutely Nicodemus just cannot comprehend. His mind is blown. And that's what's beautiful about John chapter 3. Now, John chapter 3 is mostly familiar to everybody. But let me back up. And, uh, and go to John chapter 2. Let's start in verse 23. Just the, the preview. This isn't even the sermon, but this is the preview. Before John tells you the story of Nicodemus, he introduces it like this. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them. Now, interesting. People started trusting Jesus, but he didn't trust them. Because he knew all about people. <laughs> Great. Y'all know about people? You've been with your family now for two weeks, so whatever you forgot, you've relearned about people. You know about people. Jesus knew about people. Verse 25, notice this. No one needed to tell him, Jesus, about human nature, for he knew what was in every person's heart. Now, Good. You can't tell Jesus anything about anybody because he already knows everybody inside out. He knows you by the heart. Now, good. Now, this is the introduction into Jesus' encounter with a man named Nicodemus. So we know right from the start, Nicodemus may be starting to trust Jesus, but Jesus doesn't necessarily trust Nicodemus because he knows how people are and also... There's not a thing Jesus doesn't know about Nicodemus from the very beginning. It makes it a very, very interesting conversation. It's also interesting because there are things Nicodemus just doesn't get. He really doesn't understand it. And so he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night to have this private midnight conversation about things he does not understand. So how do you talk to somebody about things that they're not gonna understand they can't possibly get. How do you begin to help them understand? Well, you use language that they do understand. So pay attention. Jesus is trying to explain the unexplainable and he uses the kinds of language, the kind of terms that Nicodemus will know. He'll talk about wind, he'll talk about birth. He will try to talk about salvation. Spiritual things with a very, very practical man. John chapter three, let's read it. This is good. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. (laughs) What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Holy Spirit, spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked, and Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But but if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things... How can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have, say it, Everlasting life, eternal life. that's John 3:16. Did you ever notice that John 3:16 is red letters in your Bible, which means what? Jesus said that. So John three sixteen these are Jesus's own words. It's, it's the gospel in a nutshell, my preacher used to say, and it is. It's, it's the gospel in a tweet, you understand? Just that many words, but it's all boiled down. This is the message of salvation, John three sixteen most famous and beloved verse in all the Bible. And Jesus said those words. Jesus said those words for the very first time to a man named Nicodemus. And he just didn't get it. Nicodemus could, couldn't get it. Now, for all of Nicodemus's trouble, I think in some ways, anybody is going to be puzzled by Jesus' conversational habits, especially in the Gospel of John, read through the Gospel of John. There are several encounters, personal encounters like this one, and in every instance, Jesus in a conversation will drive you crazy. Because you ask Jesus a question, and then Jesus will answer you with a question, or sometimes Jesus will, will respond to you in, in a way that didn't have nothing to do with what you just said. Let's start right at the beginning. Nicodemus comes up to Jesus, and G, Nicodemus starts out, I mean, he's been to charm school. Nicodemus knows how to have a human conversation. So he starts out with niceties. He starts out by saying, listen, Jesus, I've seen your work. I've I've heard some of your teaching. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. I mean, he's just sort of, you know, breaking the ice, sort of getting rolling with some niceties. But what does Jesus say right out of the gate? I'll tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus didn't even say good afternoon didn't say how's the wife i mean he didn't he didn't follow any of the normal social conventions of a conversation he just goes straight to it i tell you the truth no one's going to see the kingdom of god unless they're born again i mean jesus goes right to it why does jesus do that i mean why can't he even say you know have you had a nice day today isn't it a beautiful evening well look at the stars jesus doesn't do any of that he just goes straight to it why Well, it goes back to to what we said in John chapter 2, verse 25. Jesus already knows everything about everybody. He knows Nicodemus inside and out. So in this conversation, it's not so much that Jesus is going to answer Nicodemus' questions. Jesus is going to answer Nicodemus. He's not answering questions. He's going to answer the man. He's going to talk to the man. So in this conversation, recognize Jesus' conversation is happening at a very different level. It's at a spiritual level. It's at a soul level. And it takes Nicodemus a while to get there. First thing out of Jesus' mouth is, I tell you the truth, no one, no one is going to see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, you've heard that phrase, born again, probably your whole life. Well, you heard Billy Graham say it you know, in every one of his crusades. I mean, born again is kind of a, a, a Christian phrase now. It, it's, it's common language for us. But understand, Nicodemus had never watched a Billy Graham crusade on television. Nicodemus had never, ever heard that phrase. He'd never heard anybody say born again in a spiritual sense. And he has no idea what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus knows that. He understands that. Jesus is using language in such a way to to purposely move Nicodemus deeper. He's, He's using words, but the words break apart because there aren't really any words to describe what Jesus is trying to describe. Spiritual things. I mean, there is this physical world that we live in, and we have senses. We have five senses that enable us to live in the physical world. But even with that, there's a lot in the physical world that we don't have faculties to comprehend. Every day I come home, my dog immediately runs up and sniffs me. What's she doing? I mean, she sniffs me like crazy. And if I've been to your house, and you got a German Shepherd, my dog will come up and sniff me, and she's like... You been with the German Shepherd? I mean, she knows, she knows. I mean, my dog will sniff me for 30 seconds and then know more about my day than I know about my day. Uh, This is what they say. You know how your dog seems to always know when it's time for you to come home, but your dog don't wear a watch? How does your dog know? Do you you know this? I mean, science, y'all know how your dog knows when it's time for you to come home? Your dog's sense of smell is so sensitive that your dog knows how much your scent has faded, and that way she knows if it's time for you to come home. There's some of you smelling so strong, your dog thinks you never left. But, 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 but the rest of us, your dog goes by how the scent has faded, and then she knows when it's time. For, I mean, this is amazing. Your dog ha- has the capability of smelling things, and smelling things over distance, and smelling things that you can't even smell. This is how your dog is primarily in the world, by sense of smell. You drive your car, she goes out sniffing your tires, she knows every dog, every dog that you pass within 100 miles. I mean, they just know these things because they have a a kind of sense that you don't have. So when Jesus says, you, you must be born again, You're never going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. This is what Jesus is talking about. There is a, a realm of existence that you don't have any access to. You don't have any faculties of sense to detect. It's completely off your radar. You can live your whole life and never even imagine all of the things that exist in the spiritual realm because you can't see them, you can't smell them, you can't hear them, and a whole lot of people just live a very, very material, very physical life. No spiritual life whatsoever because we live in a material world. We live in a physical world. All of our senses are physical. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, What's he saying? Unless you're born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is this as you naturally are, you can never see and know God. As you naturally are, the person you were, fresh out of your mama's belly, understand you were born a physical being, and the kingdom of God, the realm of God, is not physical, it's spiritual. It's not material, it's not made of matter like everything else in the scientific world. It's spiritual and you can't see it, you can't know it, you can't guess at it, you're not even suspicious of it. You have no faculty for detecting this. As you naturally are, you can never see and know God. Now this is why even those of us, I love science so much, but science is never gonna prove anything about God it's never gonna disprove anything about God either because understand, science deals with the material world. Science deals with matter. And God is not material, God is spiritual. So there is no scientific instrument, no scientific equation, no scientific equipment that's going to help us know anything about God. You're never going to see him under a microscope, you're never going to see his house on a telescope. He's simply not accessible to us. As you naturally are, you can never see, you can never know God. Now this is interesting, because Jesus is talking to one of the most religious men in town. Nicodemus is a religious leader himself. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now I know those of us who've been in church for a long time, we're accustomed to Pharisees being the bad guys. They're always sort of the guys in the black hats who ride up on the scene to cause trouble for Jesus. But understand, in Nicodemus' day, Pharisees were not considered bad guys. They were not considered hypocrites. They were considered the cream of the religious crop. These were the men most serious about holiness, most concerned about the decline of their nation. They were most concerned about morality and bringing the nation back to God. The Pharisees were the people you would have really, really liked. So Nicodemus is a very, very religious man, but that doesn't change anything. Religion itself. It's not what helps you know and understand or see God. Religion can be just as fleshly and physical as everything else. So Jesus is talking to a very religious man when he says, as you naturally are, you can never see, you'll never know God. You're not gonna climb up to God with your religion. So Nicodemus says, what do you mean? Verse four, what do you mean? Explain Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, we laugh at that because I was like, Nicodemus, man, that is dumb. I mean, you're supposed to be a smart guy, and that is the dumbest thing a smart man ever said. How do you get back in, you know, and and come back out? I mean, that's dumb. That's dumb. But understand, he's still thinking physically. He's thinking according to the flesh. He doesn't understand that Jesus is speaking spiritually. What Jesus is saying is something supernatural has to happen to you. As you naturally are, you cannot see or know God. Something has to happen to you, something supernatural. It's not according to the flesh. It's not according to anything that that you see moving on this physical planet. Something supernatural, beyond the natural, has to happen to you. So when Jesus says you must be born again, he's talking about a second birth. Something supernatural happens to you. It's not a physical birth at all, Nicodemus. So Jesus says, verse 5, I I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. We all think that means water and the spirit. That's, That's interesting. Water and the spirit. Some people say that Jesus is literally describing like a physical birth and a spiritual birth. So first, you're first, like when you're born, you're born of water, you know, your mama's water breaks, you know gush, and and then you come in a rush of water. So some people say that Jesus there is talking about just the physical birth. So you must have a physical birth and then you must have a spiritual birth, be born of water and a spirit. I, I don't know about that. I personally think it's probably a reference to baptism. It's baptism. It's a spiritual birth of salvation that's accompanied with a baptism, a water birth, so to speak. I can't prove that, but that's just what I think. It's hard to know exactly what Jesus means there. But I do believe that baptism is an important part of salvation. I know we're Baptists and we spent like years and years and years fighting the church of Christ over this. And, and the Church of Christ and those in that tradition often put a lot of emphasis on the waters of baptism. Some of them to the extreme of literally saying that it's the waters of baptism that save you. I don't believe that. If I thought that the waters of baptism would save you, if some of you walked close to the baptism, I would push you in. Seriously, if I thought that just the water would is like magic water, I mean, I, I, I'd just spray it on you. I, I mean, I, w- I would push you in. If I thought the water had that power. So it's not that, not that water baptism saves us, but at the very same time, all through Scripture, baptism is, is very close. It's a part of God's plan for saving us. And we Baptists have been so careful to say nothing's happening here, it's just a mere symbol, you know, it's just water. We've been so careful to to discount it that a lot of people think baptism isn't even important. I mean, some of you in this house would say that you're believers and you've never been baptized. And honestly, in Scripture, there's just not even that presented as an option. You repent and be baptized. So I'm not saying that baptism saves you, but I think that sometimes we we put it way too low down on the list of priorities. I, I think Jesus intends to say something important here about baptism. You need to be baptized and you need to be reborn in the spirit. This is salvation. Again, Jesus is trying to explain something spiritual, something supernatural to somebody who's never experienced it. I mean, up to this point, nobody on earth ever been saved. Nobody on earth has ever put their faith in Jesus. I mean, Jesus is explaining something, the gospel, for the very first time to a man who's completely unprepared for hearing it. So Jesus is trying to use language that Nicodemus will understand. So, so Jesus goes on. Verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Again, he's just trying to make Nicodemus understand. Flesh gives birth to flesh. So so your human mother and father gave birth to you, a human baby, but but the spirit is not flesh. So the spirit gives a spiritual birth. Don't be surprised when I say, verse 7, you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants. I love this. This is Jesus, again, trying to help Nicodemus understand with, with, with words, with images that he knows from the physical world. The wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Yeah. You, you can't see wind. You can see the effects of wind. You can see the trees move. You can see your picnic table blow over. But you can't see the wind. You can only see the effects of the wind. Jesus says the spirit is like that. The spirit is is invisible to your eyes, to your senses, but, but it still has effects in the spiritual world. And it has an effect on you. The spirit has an effect on you. Something supernatural must happen to you. Talking to you, right? I mean, you understand this, right? Something has to happen to you, something supernatural. Verse 9 Nicodemus says, How are these things possible? He still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. Jesus says, You're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. There's, there's, there's that word Believe. It it will never happen if you don't believe. It it will never happen if you don't believe. What does that mean, believe? I think some of us believe that believe just means like to agree in our heads, like mentally like, okay, okay, I I agree with that. Um, I, I, I guess that's part of it. But I think there are a lot of people who agree with what I've just said, but, but that doesn't make them believers. You some know what I'm saying? That they agree and that they, they just sort of accepted the truth of the message, but they've never really believed in such a way that something supernatural happens to them. So I, I think it's a, it, it, it's, a, it's a deeper kind of belief. I don't think it's believing just with your head. I think it's believing with your life. And I think there's something different there. It's it's believing with your life, but believing in such a way where you recognize that it changes everything. It it changes everything. You cannot hear the message of Jesus. You cannot hear this message of salvation and then just say, yes, I believe that. And then go on as if nothing has changed, nothing has happened. That's not how this works. It's, it's a believing with your life. It, it's a surrendering to something supernatural taking you over. Jesus makes reference here to an Old Testament story, and I know it sounds strange if you don't know the story. It's back in the book of Numbers. I think it's chapter... 21 google that look it up as moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness what is jesus talking about obviously nicodemus is an old testament scholar so jesus again is making reference to something nicodemus knows and understands it's a story from the book of numbers it's an episode during the exodus during the the people leaving slavery in egypt when they encounter these fiery serpents in the wilderness anybody know this story and the serpents are biting people, and when the people get bitten, they die. And so Moses prays to God, and God tells Moses the answer: make one of them, make a, a statue, but make a serpent out of bronze, and put that bronze serpent on a pole and lift it up high. And then whoever looks upon that bronze serpent, I'll lift it up high, and whoever looks upon that serpent, they will live. It was, it was God's way of healing the people, God's way of protecting the people. So Moses made that bronze serpent and lifted it up high. And incidentally, that's now the symbol of like the American Medical Association, that snake wrapped around a pole, right? I mean, it comes from the Old Testament. So when Moses would lift up that serpent on a pole, everyone who looked upon that serpent, that bronze serpent, would live. So what does Jesus say? He's using that as an example. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness... So the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. What does Jesus mean when he says the son of man? He's talking about himself. The son of man must be lifted up. How and when is he going to be lifted up? On the cross, right? So when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, all who look will live. All who believe upon him will live. Jesus is like that serpent in the wilderness that that is lifted up and gives life. So again, Jesus is using something that Nicodemus should know. And then he says it, verse 16, most beloved verse in all of scripture comes out of Jesus' own mouth. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whosoever, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting, have eternal life. God so loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, His only begotten His only one Jesus, right? So that whosoever, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from, what language you speak, what color your skin is. It, it doesn't matter your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your addictions. It doesn't matter anything about your mama. It doesn't matter anything about where you're from. Whosoever, whosoever. There are no qualities on your part that would disqualify you here. Whosoever believes in him. You just come to Jesus. You just believe in Jesus. You just give your life to Jesus. It's not just believing in your head. I think that preacher's onto something. No, no. It's a believing with your life. It it, it is a change of of everything that you've been thinking. It's a reorientation of all of your priorities. You you, you believe with everything you got. And, And you receive life. You remember back earlier in the year, we were reading through the book of Jonah and we got to the end of the book of Jonah and we talked about how, you know, it's, it's been all about Jonah, all about Jonah's been in the spotlight of the story the whole time. And then at the end, God gives a speech to, to Jonah, uh, but, but, but somehow in the middle of that speech, like Jonah disappears and then the book just sort of ends and you never find out what Jonah did next. I remember we talked about that. Okay, this is the same thing here. This whole story has been Nicodemus, right? It's been all about Nicodemus. And honestly, I'm a little bit interested to find out what Nicodemus said next. Like, did he ever get it? I mean, Jesus is sharing the gospel. Jesus is sharing the gospel. I would really like to know what Nicodemus did. Did Nicodemus put his faith in Jesus? Was Nicodemus born again? Did Nicodemus believe I mean, what happens to Nicodemus? And then Jesus says, John 3, 16. Jesus says, John 3, 16. You got all excited because Tim Tebow wrote John three sixteen in his eye black, but here's Jesus actually saying John 3, Jesus says, John 3, 16, to Nicodemus. I wanna know what Nicodemus says next. I wanna know what he does. We don't know. The spotlight was on Nicodemus Jesus says, John 3, 16, and then we don't know. We don't know what Nicodemus says. We don't know what Nicodemus does. He just sort of, he's out of the spotlight. The Bible does this several times. I, I've explained this to you. Several times in, in very key moments of Scripture, this is what happens The word of the Lord is coming to one person and they're in the spotlight and they're hearing it. But somehow by the time the Lord's finished talking, that person's not in the spotlight anymore. They're they're, they're totally gone. Nicodemus is gone. So who's in the spotlight now? Well, still Jesus. But maybe it's you. Maybe as it turns out, it's not so important what Nicodemus decides, because honestly, Nicodemus will make his own decision. It's up to Nicodemus. But, but you've got a decision to make, too. You've got a decision to make. So at the end of this, it's not just Jesus sharing John 3.16 with Nicodemus. It's Jesus sharing John 3.16 with you. With you. And at the end of the thing, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody else decides. You've got to decide. So, what do you say? I know your church people mostly. Some of you look a little rough. I know your church people. Nicodemus was a religious guy. That did not make him a believer. Jesus says that something supernatural must happen to you. I mean, I mean, as you naturally, as you were born, uh, as you were raised, you're never going to know and see God. You, you you can't understand spiritual things. You know, just living a natural life. Something supernatural must happen to you. Power from on high. The Spirit comes and makes you a new person. Has something supernatural really happened to you? I love all of you, and I'm all of your pastor, but, but, but can I just say, some of you live very, very natural lives. Can I just put it that way? You live a very natural life. Your life is utterly no different from everybody else in the world. You think like the world thinks. You talk like the world talks. You do the same things the world does. You look at the same things on the internet. You 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 drink, get drunk too much, just like people in the world. I mean, you're just like um, you're just like unsaved people. Some of you. Have you ever stopped to really consider whether or not you've been born again? I mean, flesh gives birth to flesh and some of you live very, very fleshly lives, material, physical lives. You only really think about, care about the things that you can see, touch, taste, smell, spend. As you naturally are, you're never gonna see and know God. You watch other people in church sometimes worship or you hear other people pray and you know in your heart, you know in your heart, you don't have what they have. You know in your heart of hearts, you, you don't have what they have. Something supernatural happens when you give your life to Jesus and some of you have never really given your life to Jesus. You have a decision to make them. You must not assume that because you're religious or because your parents are believers or, or because you drag your sorry behind the church twice a year, that, that somehow that makes it okay. No, unless a person is born again, they can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Some of you are not going to end up at the end of your life where you think you're going to end up because you've never really been born again. Do I have any idea what decision Nicodemus makes at the end of this. Just like I really don't know what some of you are gonna decide either. I can't tell by looking at you. Actually, I can't tell by looking because what we're talking about is something that happens in the heart. I can never know your heart, but Jesus knows you from the inside out. There's not a thing in the world. Anybody can tell Jesus about you that you don't, He doesn't already know. He he, he loves you. Loves you so much that he came down, gave his life for you. So that if you would look upon him, if you would believe upon him, you would have a brand new everlasting life. The choice, my friend, is yours. You pray with me. Jesus, you shared the gospel with Nicodemus. We don't necessarily know what he decided that night in this midnight conversation with you. Even though you are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, God in the flesh, you still would not use your power in such a way to manipulate that man into doing something that he would not choose for himself. In the same way, You just knock on the door of hearts in this room today, Lord. You're just knocking on the hearts, the doors of the hearts of people in the cafe. You're just knocking on the door, waiting for us to open up the door and invite you in. Lord, there are people in this church, in these pews Sunday after Sunday after Sunday who've never really ever been born again. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they not spend another Sunday coming and going from this place and not truly understanding the life that you give. Lord Jesus, I am not a very good preacher. I do not lift you up high enough. I don't lift you up well enough, Lord, but I pray that you'll be lifted up in this place today, lifted up so high that people who really need to live would see you, would believe you, and give their lives to you. I pray these things in your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen.